Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Hey there, what's up? Caravan Central Wisdom Hour, number 12, a dozen in. I am Steve Witchell coming to you live from New Orleans. Indeed, Tony Barnard coming to you live from Bogota, Colombia tonight. <laughs> nice, you're traveling this week, huh? Yeah. Very good. I like it. Gigging all over the world, are you? Whenever possible. Nice. All right, now I'm just going to the page to make sure that we are live on the page, make sure people can join us, because I did promote this uh, podcast this afternoon, early today, and it's still not showing up on the page. What's going on? Going to have to make sure we are live. We are live on Spreaker, that is for sure. And I just want to make sure we're live on the page so people can join in and participate and comment and stuff, and it's still not showing up. What is the deal, Spreaker or Facebook? I don't know who to blame right now. Maybe it could be a human error, user error. It's possible, but I don't see it showing up. What's the deal here? This is an important part of this show is the fact that it's going to be live on the page because I promoted it today. Yes, live in person. Yes, so people can join in and make comments and... Make fun of us, whatever they want to do. Uh, what is the deal here? This is not showing up live. Uh, reach over. You know what? I'm going to see if this, since it's not working here, I'm going to see if I can share it now. I can do a manual share. Ha ha. See, there's always a way. To do Where there's a will, there's a way, brother. Share on a page I manage. Hey, happy birthday, too, by the way. Thank you. Join us live now. All right. Post to Facebook. Here we go. This should work. If that doesn't work, then I'm done. I'm out of ideas. But let's check it out. I did a little manual share from Speaker. Speaker is where we're doing the it is a website where we do the podcast once a week. We did skip last week because, yes, it was my birthday on July 4th, and yeah, and I played. I ended up playing um, all week. I played, and uh, it was especially fun to play on my birthday. It's always fun. And we celebrated my birthday all week, which was cool, um, thanks to my band members. 
good stuff. Yes. Birthday week. Yes. And how was your uh, your holiday week? My holiday week was good. You know, it was uh, had off from work. It was uh, it was nice. Spent some time at home. Had a half day on Friday, and then uh, actually my youngest son Cole had to get his driver's license on uh, Wednesday. Turned seventeen for his birthday, so I had taken an extra day off. And not realizing that here in well, no, back in New Jersey because I'm in Columbia tonight. But back in New Jersey, <laughs> yeah, um, the you know because Christie had closed down all the state agencies because they didn't have a budget uh, passed. So all the things down, you know, Island Beach State Park down the shore was closed. It was like a big uproar up here. I don't know if you saw it on the news, but they had closed all of the non-essential government agencies, motor vehicle being one of them. So when they reopened it, you know, after the budget, Wednesday was the first day that the motor vehicle had been open since the previous Friday. Wow. So, so his test was at 8.30 in the morning, and we got there at 7.30, maybe 20 to 8. And there was 25 cars online, 100 people waiting at the door for the place to open, and probably like 50 or 60 cars online for inspection. Yikes. Yeah, so we hung, we hung out until uh, we were in the car until about 10 o'clock when he finally did his test. Right. And he passed. And then we went to, uh, it was still an hour and a half wait to get into motor vehicle. So I went to a different motor vehicle agency, uh, a secret one that I know of. That was only a 15-minute wait because no one knows about it. Nice. So That's the way to go. Out, got his license. We went for a couple, you know, went for a cruise for an hour or two and had lunch. And it was a good, good day, good day. Very cool. Um, did you do in, in the last, uh, so it's been two weeks since I spoke to you, have you played? Have you had any yeah, we games? played the 4th of July weekend. We played an uh, outdoor party. Uh, fireworks, a lot of fun. People being stupid. <laughs> cool. But, you know, fountains, did they ever see the fountains that you light up there? Like, uh, it's it looks like a mortar, but it doesn't launch anything. So it doesn't go like up and then explode. It's It, it emits a shower fountain of... Um, sparks of all different magnitudes and heights and durations depending on the thing. So there was this one uh, it was called um, Fire and Ice. I guess it's the finale one, you know? And the lights sit up and it's got like eight little cannons inside it. So the first one burns and it's like you know, emitting this like shower of sparks and the second one goes off and it's like all these things launching into the air and exploding like like firecrackers but in this random succession for like minutes. The thing's going on for like two minutes and at the end there's this like molten lava section of it, which I guess is the fire, and it starts erupting like a volcano. This this fire hose of Roman candles that, that are just showering down all over the place. But the amazing thing is that as soon as it hits the ground it's gone. Right. So it's, explodes into this giant shower but as it lands it disappears cool so that was pretty cool but the, the end was like <laughs> the thing right. like kicked it up a notch and people were standing too close and it was like everyone was like ah, like running back and tripping fall and stuff like right. always always <laughs> see that and then good when they set up far away from the band yeah well you got it right yeah but no limbs lost no no you know no no bottle rockets up on onto the stage <laughs> or anything so it was, it was a good it was, it was that's successful good. that's good yeah, I love doing gigs when there's fireworks. I mean, just because, you know, it's my birthday, too, so I like the whole the whole celebration part of it, but I always love playing uh, during... Well, we, used to play, we used to play the Crow's Nest, and I'm sure you played there in your your, your career in Jersey. The, yeah, sure. 
and they're, they're make you, they make you do an announcement in between every set. And it's a piece of paper they hand you, and you're like, you have to read this verbatim. And one part of it is like, the, the crowness frowns upon and and prohibits, strictly prohibits any use of pyrotechnics or fireworks within the establishment. <laughs> within. That place is really small, too, so. So we had, like, fireworks, to, uh, special effects. So when Jim was making the announcement in the background, <laughs> <laughs> bottle rocket sounds and stuff, they like that there. That's funny. Very exciting. Good stuff. So, hey, what was the quick, what was the highlight of your birthday? Real quick, what was the, what was um, the best of your birthday I, out of all the stupid stuff you probably did? Um, it was a I, I I don't think I did a whole lot of stupid stuff because uh, I'm 50 now. I turned 50, um, and um, that's a milestone. I didn't realize it was 50th birthday. It was extra wisdom tonight. Milestone, yeah, um, half a century. So, um, I went out to dinner with a friend, and uh, she. Uh, treated me to dinner, and then we went to a place called Pat O'Brien's here in New Orleans um, that has a thing called dueling, dueling pianos. Um, and I, I've been here for seven years, dude, and I've never gone in to see this thing. And it's this uh, Pat O'Brien's is a very popular place here in New Orleans where people come to get the famous hurricane drink, um, and uh, it's a really cool place, very big. Um, and there's a and there's a separate room. Bands don't really play there, but there's a separate room where there's a dueling pianos thing. And they have uh, this big stage, two grand pianos on the stage facing each other. And then behind them, they have a mirror, which is angled so that the audience can see the, the hands of the um, the players. So so the, the grand pianos are actually kind of facing facing the crowd a little bit, like sort of angled toward the crowd, but also facing each other. Um, and then there's the mirrors behind, so you can see the player's hand. So that's pretty cool. And that whole gig for for people there is based on requests. It's really cool. It's this intimate room um, that could hold probably about 200 people, maybe 300. And there's tables, and there's you know a wait staff coming and bringing you drinks. And people will write on a napkin what song they want to hear and put a, a denomination of money with it and give it go walk up and hand it to one of the piano players. And they'll try to do it. Um, and usually they'll be able to figure it out. Um, it's usually, most requests people give, it, like they don't really turn much of anything down. They'll at least give it a shot. Um, so that's a re- it was a really cool experience. It was, the room is very New York. It's got this very New York City, um, Greenwich Village uh, vibe. Um, but uh, uh, really cool. So, I mean, it's all covers and it's... Uh, and it's uh, all request. So we did that after dinner, and then I went and played a gig. Um, cool. Yeah, and and the gig was fun. And then after the gig, we went out. Um, she and I went out again with, a, and we met up with a couple more people and did some imbibing, and uh, had an overall good time. Nice good stuff. Uh, but the, another thing I want to tell you about that I did. I took. Off, I normally work Friday and Saturday, and I took off Saturday night, and I went to see Roger Waters in. Uh, oh, yeah performing here in New Orleans, of course, from Pink Floyd. He's doing a, the Us and Them tour. And I went with my brother and his brother-in-law. And we spent, again, spent a good part of the day in town in New Orleans, uh, had a couple drinks, went and got dinner, and went to the show. And, dude, this show, it's one of the best arena shows I've ever seen in my life. And I, when you were telling me about Muse, you know, about the sound, I was thinking about this, about the sound quality. Um, 
I mean, it's been a while since I've seen a really good arena show, and technology has really made things so much better that the sound quality was just incredible. It was not like, kind of like how you described Muse. Not, I mean, you could hear the separation of every instrument, but it all still sounded great together, but it wasn't overwhelming. It was still loud, but not overwhelming at all. Um, and um, it just it, the musicians, just impeccable perfection of playing, replicating, duplicating these songs, tone-wise, performance-wise, uh, everything. Just phenomenal, man. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And the, the, the production of that show is just, it's pretty big. It's its huge. I mean, he, he just went all out with with stuff, visual stuff. And, and think about that, like what we've talked about here, like how <clears throat> how authentic do you want to replicate something, you know? Like how, what separates a tribute band from a cover band, you know? Like right. the accuracy of doing it. And think about that, like what you just said, like these are professional touring you know musicians right of, of, of the top most talent and caliber that are basically playing you know a cover gig right right but they're challenged to play it exactly like the record right down to the tone the right. sound you know everything timbre of the instruments you know to try to recreate the, the effect on on the the instruments and the vocals you know but how cool, like you said, to go and it to sound so killer and to, for them to do such a great reproduction of that, you know? Yeah, I mean, definitely big-time professional players, um, but they're out there playing Pink Floyd covers, you know? That is the fact. They're playing songs that they didn't write, and they had to come in and replicate it as authentically as they could. But, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that a lot, watching these guys, and I'm like... This is something that I, I talk about a lot and feel a lot, especially when I'm playing, um, in in imagining that I'm actually playing with the artist. You know, when I'm playing a cover song, if I'm playing a Guns N' Roses song, I don't do it all the time, but sometimes I'll just kind of try to get into that space of what if I was on stage with Axl Rose and Slash right now and playing this song, and I want to play it that well. Um because yeah, I, I think it's kind of a law of attraction thing. It, it, you know, you start doing that and putting that kind of effort into your playing, then you get gigs where, um, you know, that's required um, once you're able to do it. So, you, you know, it, it's a good lesson to do, like, kind of uh, play, you know, that old adage of play for the job that you want, not the job that you have, uh, or, you know, or dress, dress for the job is, is the cliche. Dress for the job you want, not the job you have. So it's kind of like the same thing. Um, you know, play play for that professional gig. Play for that whatever. If you're in a band, you're in a situation you're not happy, and you think that you can do better than that. Do better than that now. You know, don't wait until that opportunity comes up. Be ready for it now. Um, so those guys, you know, in that Rogers band, clearly have done that. You know, for years because they didn't. They he didn't just pick people and say, "Hey, can you learn this song?" <laughs> You know, he, he got pros in there. Yeah, pick the people he wanted. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that's uh, that was a really cool experience Saturday to to actually go see how the pros do it nowadays. Was uh, there any opening band, or was it just just Roger Waters? Just Roger Waters. He did two sets, um, uh, about a little over an hour long, probably each one of them, and. Um, 
he has a new album. He only played uh, three tracks from it, um, and uh, all the rest was Pink Floyd stuff. And uh, the second set was uh, most of the album Animals, uh, which is one of my favorite Pink Floyd albums. And uh, yeah, man, uh, and the, the the setup for the band too. He had. Um, one guitar he had two guitar players and one of the guitar players was doing most of the vocals um most of the gilmore vocals i mean all of the gilmore vocals and even some of roger's vocals that are higher that he can't really quite hit yet um and the other guitar player just played guitar he had two keyboard players and one of them was a multi-instrumentalist who was uh playing guitar here and there playing in a saxophone um he had uh one drummer and uh, another guy who was playing bass and guitar, um, and he was playing. It was this was really cool. Roger Waters is a bass player initially. I mean, he played guitar too, but um, he played some of the times when Roger was playing bass. This this guy in the back was also playing bass, so there were two bass parts going on, um, which was pretty neat. And uh, then the two background singers, uh, the two female background singers. And that was his band. Um, but, man, yeah, just top-notch. And he was playing a keyboard, like uh, Jan Hammer, right? Like the walk-around one? Roger? Yeah. No, he didn't do that for this show. That, at every gig, I'm surprised you didn't see it. Mm. No, I, I didn't see him do that for this gig. I, it's possible I missed it, but I don't think so. Um, but he, he did... Right, just made that up. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, but he did play bass and guitar, and... Uh, yeah, it was great. So cool. That was cool. All right. So, um, so I posed this question on the page yesterday. Great question. Great. And got a lot of responses. Let's make sure I'm there. We got how many responses did we get, Tony? I think it was two hundred and something. Uh, I opened this up, and now I can't even get to the bottom of it. Where's the bottom? Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's uh, 502 <laughs> responses. <laughs> All right. Nice. So we're just going to have to cherry pick some of these answers. But uh, the question was, where's the strangest place that you've played a gig? Before we get into our community's answers, how about you? Can you remember a strange place that you've played a gig? Oh, yeah, I can remember. I can remember quite a few strange places of playing gigs. I'll just run down a few quick ones that I can recall. Okay. I remember playing a party at my friend Bob's parents' house, full blowout party, set the band up in his living room. Like you walked in his front door and he had a living room, dining room, and then through two little arches, a kitchen, right? So he pushed the dining room table back out of the way, set up the drums, and then set up the band in the, throughout his living room. Like not in any arranged order, like a stage, but like, you know, bass player over there in the corner between the love seat and the client <laughs> by the lamp. Right. That guy over there by the vase next to the TV, the drums pushed back by, and people were just like mingling around, and amps were set up, and we were just jamming and then playing like a full blown party. That was a good, interesting one. I've played, um, geez, I played outside one time in front of a bank for like a grand opening ribbon cutting thing in like a hundred degree weather with blazing, blazing sun, uh, for you know, a, a, a half hour set like blown out i played on um a little uh, a trailer being pulled by a pickup truck for a bayonne day parade nice 
you know, on the mobile unit while you're jamming, right? But not a big like flatbed, like a like a like a landscaping trailer. You know what I mean? With right. On it. With I actually did that this thing. year. I did a very similar thing this year for Mardi Gras. I I was in a Mardi Gras parade on a very similar very similar um, type of tr- uh, truck. I mean, we were being pulled by a pickup truck, and we, our stage was was that sort of small kind of a landscaping thing. It's cool. I like I like playing um, and riding at the same time. I've done that a couple times now here. And then I've played I played a biker party one time with all kinds of events, which could be a show unto itself of stories from that. So if we ever need material, we can come back to that one. <laughs> right. But probably the kookiest kookiest gig I played was at was an impromptu gig at a party where the guy said he wanted to hire a band, and I said, well, I'm a drummer, and if you have other guys, and his neighbor was a guitar player, and he went home and got a practice amp and his guitar. Another guy played bass, who happened to have his equipment with him in the car. He broke that out. Another guy sang a cappello, and of course there was no drums, so we fabricated a drum set by emptying out the kitchen cabinets with Tupperware and pots of paint, literally, and, like, glasses and different types of, like, you know, tonalities. And we set up and gathered all this stuff, and then people gathered around, and we jammed for, like, an hour on just impromptu covers and almost like an unplugged thing, and the guy paid us. Nice. There you go. Yeah, it counts as a gig if you got paid. Yep. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't a planned gig. But the guy was saying, you know, he wanted to band, and he actually passed the hat around. That's how he got paid. He wasn't there you go. come pocket, but people were appreciative of it. And, you know, the fact that we threw it together and we played uh, impromptu a uh, little gig. Nice. Cool. So that's the ones I can think of from recent memory, but right. I know there's other ones. If, I, if something comes back to me, I'll, I'll chime in. But how yeah. about you? I, I have two that come to mind. I'm sure there's many of them. And there's other ones that are, while you were talking, there were other ones that, that were popping in my head too. Uh, but I'm going to focus on these two for now. The first one is I was playing in a band that you're familiar with called The Elevators in New Jersey. We were blues-based uh, rock band, cover band, uh, guitar player, bass, drums, uh, harmonica player, and vocals and keyboards. And um, one of the gigs, and uh, you played with that band after I left, um, so you're familiar with that band. But um, and one of the gigs we played before then was in a liquor store. And there was a bar in the back, but we actually played in the liquor store. Um, you know, cash register there, um, stacks of cases of you know, Molson Golden. Um, I'm, you know, I'm standing right next to the shelf with, you know, the, the little uh, pint-sized Jägermeister bottles, and <laughs> just, I mean, it was it was in a strip mall in Jersey, and it was it was a store. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Like, I, I, you know, there was no place for a crowd to come in and like sit and watch us. There was no dance floor. Um, it was just we're in the store playing a, a gig. It was so strange. That's great. Um, and the other one I'm going to talk about is one that's going to blow your mind, my friend, because you're going to be able to chime in on this one. Uh, I'm going to say it was same thing that I'm thinking of right now. Yes, I'm going to say it was nine or ten years ago. Um, I used to play with this uh, this duo um, girl act named Wendy and Lisa, and we had a we played full band gigs, um, and sometimes uh, you know they would do solo gigs too. But um, they got a call 
asking for uh, a band to play for a movie shoot. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, this is in New Jersey, and the um, I, I don't recall how much we got paid, or even if we got paid. Do you remember if we got paid? We got paid. We, we did, did get paid. Okay. Um, so... Uh, we, they were filming a movie shoot and they needed a band for one scene. So we were hired to come to this house in New Jersey and set up in basically a living room. Wait, so wait, hang on. Wait, just back up. All right, yeah. Up. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, because... So Steve calls me and says, dude, I got this great opportunity. To They need a band for a movie shoot. <laughs> do you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm in. Count me in. Okay, movie shoot, band. So right. you're thinking of all those thoughts and we're getting paid for it. Right. So I, now you can continue with it. Sounds like a blast. Yeah, who wouldn't want to do it? It's during the day. It was on a weekend day. Um, yes. Daytime. Um, a very nice house. You know, we didn't know what to expect at all. You know, we were giving limited information. I know what to bring. Um, Correct. And that's about it. And know what time to be there. Um, so, you know, a very nice house. Um, and we, we they moved around a couple pieces of furniture so we could set up in a living room. And it was just the four-piece... Um, uh, 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 Lisa playing drums and Wendy sing. Or no, no, you playing drums, obviously. Lisa playing guitar and uh, Wendy singing, and me playing bass. And so our our duty for the whole day was to just play one song, pick one song, and play it for this scene that they were going to film for the movie. And normally, I think when movies are made, you know, I'm not a movie maker, but I think I know enough about stuff, media. Normally, when a movie is made, if there's a band, a live band in the scene, they'll they'll be shot separately and the audio taken separately, um, or the audio will be just taken. Um, it, the the audio won't be from the band won't be in the scene live because there's actors talking. There's you know this stuff going on. They add that later. So if you're playing in in a band. In a live scene, um, you're just mimicking, you're miming. You're not actually playing live. For us, <laughs> we were playing live. That's what we were instructed to do. Do you think it's going to be like, in three, two, one, action, and guy with a microphone over you and cameras and guys on booms and dollies going by and stuff like that? <laughs> not quite. That. No. It was, uh, it was, I would say it was a low-budget, film <laughs> it was a guy like yeah you just start playing whenever you feel like it we're already rolling yeah and uh, it later <laughs> and the, it was a uh, like a jersey mafia sort of based movie which i never really i, I never saw the movie <laughs> we had to, some downtime we were outside we did yeah i was gonna get to that yeah um that you could talk yeah about. There were, there were a lot of scenes, so we, I, I mean, we got there, we set up, um, and we chose a song, which was, gee, we played it like 50 times, but I can't remember. I'm just it was kidding. Raise your glass, I'm, my pink. It wasn't raise your glass. It was uh, the other one. Oh yeah, it was. Um, yeah, you're right. I'm not that. here for your invitation. Uh, uh, wow, that's terrible that I can't remember with the song. Uh, uh, you and your hand is the name of the song. That's it. Right, you and your hand. Right, uh, 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 right. 
So we ended up, um, so we chose that song to play. That's all we needed for this entire gig. We needed to play one song. We needed to play it a bunch of times, but we needed to play one song. And we started, uh, we chose the song, and then we started rehearsing it. I think we played it through a few times. And uh, there was, no, yeah, the, as far as the sound was concerned, it's not like, did you did they even mic up your drums, or was they were they just getting the room sound? <laughs> it was a room sound, and it was a cathedral ceiling living room, so it was like echo chamber with wood floors. It was just, it was kooky. Yeah, so it was kooky. And you know, we were, you know, just we're in this situation now, we're uncertain, we're just taking direction from people, and it didn't seem like we were getting all that much direction, um, but... We got there earlier than um, things getting started as far as filming and stuff. Um, so people started arriving after a while, and then uh, uh, they set up this scene. And uh, I think, now, you might have to refresh my memory as far as the order of um, things that happened. Did we film first and then go watch that other scene in the back, or was it the other way around? Oh. So we rolled up early like you said because we arrived when the drummer would arrive right to a gig because he got shit to set up thinking that we got there the guy was like they were having breakfast or something and the guy was out in the back with like in his underwear cleaning clean the pool <laughs> and, and remember he's like oh you guys are early bro what's up man and he's like go around the front and then the guy came up and he's like i'm joe owner <laughs> joe owner you, yes anything you need you just let me know because you guys are the talent Right. That was how he met us at the door. That was, yeah. And I remember Joe Owner coming over, and it, I, I think, because we had gone through playing the song. I remember we had played the song. I don't think we had filmed We hadn't played anything yet, though, so we walked in, and he's like, you're going to set up over here, but not yet, because we got other stuff that we got to shoot first, and then we're going to take care of that, and we got to work in the back, and then you, so they, just, they shot some scene inside, and then they moved outside, and then we were started bringing stuff in and getting set up. And then once we were all set up, we waited outside uh, until they were done shooting the scene by the pool. Guy got thrown in the pool. He was having words with the other guy. And then we were sitting out front, hanging out, waiting to play. And then they did the car chase scene. And then we didn't play until later. Okay. So I, I, what I'm trying to remember is, as, as far as the time is concerned, Joe Owner... When, I remember that we had played this on whether we were rehearsing it or, or whatever it was, but you know we we were told okay you know you guys can hang out take a break whatever you know we got to go do these other things and Joe Warner came up and said anything you guys need you just let me know and I said hey um. <laughs> he was like anything you need cigars cigar you know anything you know anything combustible like that and I I'm thinking you know I'm a fan of some combustible things. So I asked for one, and he said, he, you know, he, he seemed a little shocked. A little, though. Not like, not like offended shocked in a way, but just like shocked in a way like nobody ever asks him that. You, you know? It's not a request he ever gets. But, you know, he didn't have a problem with it. He just seemed like, okay, that's, you know. But, I mean, I'm a musician in a band. You know, you should expect things like that. And he said, all right, I'll be right back. And... Sure enough, he came right back, and then, uh, and I think you and I both partook in that. <laughs> so, so we're outside, and they're doing a car chase scene, 
and it's, it's a residential neighborhood, like a cul-de-sac that this guy lives on. And there's a guy with a video camera, like kneeling in the street. And there's another guy driving a van at like 70 miles an hour up the street into the cul-de-sac, like cutting the wheel. And the thing's like, like almost flipping over, coming in like 70 miles an hour, slamming on the brakes, like fishtail and skidding in. The guy's like, all right, let's do it again. I don't know if I got it all that time. So they do it like two more times. The guy's doing whole shots with the van. He's he's coming in. All of a sudden, neighbors are out. The lady's screaming at him. I'm calling the fucking cops. You guys are well. just flipping out across the street. People are outside their houses now all looking around. And Joe Owner's like, don't worry. But go back in your house. We're just shooting film. Don't worry about it. You're like, fucking guy's driving like an asshole. <laughs> That's his, that was the highlight of the day. I remember laughing so hard because the guy was like, all right, we got to come back to this later once the, the people go back in their houses and calm down a little bit. Right. That's funny. But so we, 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 we did end up filming the scene at some point, and um, I know we had to do a bunch of takes. And the scene was like a party scene, um, and there was a, a couch involved. It was supposed to be a party scene at a bar or a nightclub. Was it really? They were conducting business or something like that, so they tried to make the room kind of dark. But <laughs> and there was a young lady involved. Um, that was <laughs> the cameras panning around the room to the band and showing people sitting on like this leather couch, really right. not doing much of anything, just kind of sitting around. It's like family portraits hanging on the wall. <laughs> it's like it's the guy's living room. <laughs> It was definitely not a club. They didn't. They did not do much to to, to make the decor look like it was a, like a nightclub. It looked like you know you were in someone's living room. That's great. That's great, dude. But they did edit it all. Remember, they did. They did. They did edit everything down. They edited, yeah, and there were kind of quick shots. And they posted it. Oh, we, I remember getting a link to it. It was on Vimeo for a while. Yeah, I and and. Hopefully, I can find the video, so I'm going to link it with this podcast when we're done. I'm going to repost it tomorrow um, and uh, link the video. I'm also going to put I, – I have pictures from that, so I'll put up a couple of the pictures that are pretty good. Oh, that's right. You had brought your camera and I took brought, a ton of pictures. Yeah, I took a bunch of pictures. Um, but I remember the scene was – like it was Joe Horner, and he was you know a big Italian dude, like an older dude, big guy. You know, uh, you're, you're – cliche sort of Tony Soprano looking dude um, and in the scene he was supposed to kiss this girl this is what I remember this and this younger hot girl and because I, I remember doing that over and over again and I remember thinking to myself the only reason this guy is doing this is because he wants to kiss this girl that's the only reason he's, he's doing this movie thing um, because any other way he would never Pick up this well, girl. Joe Owner was married because his wife was there too. Was and so was it Joe Owner the one? He was the guy in the scene, right? No, no. What it was I'm thinking of was a, a relatively well-known actor, like a B movie actor who had done a bunch of mob type movies. I forget the guy's name, but remember he came. He had like a little entourage with him, and. Um, 
he was like asking for like where's the fucking catering truck and where's this and Joe was like this is a fucking low budget film this isn't Hollywood here and you're not like Clint Eastwood like you know you could even brought something with you what do you think this is they were having a little like tiff about it right um that's but I know the guy you're talking about. I don't remember his name, but he was, yeah. you know, Joe Owner was, uh, he had a part in the movie too, but he's not the guy you're thinking of. Right. Yeah. So the guy I was thinking of, I was just watching him thinking like, you know, he just wants a scam on this girl, man. That's all he cares about. And, uh, it's not about being a great actor or making a great movie. Um, but yeah, uh, so we, we did the song for those of you out there who want to learn how to make a movie. We had to keep doing takes, you know, take after take of uh, playing the song. But I don't think we did that many, you know. I mean, how many takes did we do, do you think? Well, remember, we played, like, the whole song a couple of times through, maybe five or six times. Right. And then it was just sections, just pieces. Right. Of different angle shots of the band, and they were going to mix it in. Right, but right, right. It was weird because it wasn't... When, I remember when we saw the finished product, it wasn't like... You said, like, these guys are having a conversation and the band's in the background. It was almost like a music video. Like, there was different angles of the band, and it was, like, featuring the band, you know? And playing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the background was like, was like bay windows with a deck behind it, you know? I wonder if that movie is available somewhere, if that movie was ever made. And I forget the name of it even. I don't even recall what it was supposed to be named. I know I have a link to the video somewhere, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find that and put it uh, put a link to it with the podcast. Um, I haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, but we have old emails. It would, the, the guy definitely emailed us uh, all the information. Right. I think if I just search, because I I might have actually posted it on YouTube myself. Um, so I'll just go look quick for that. Um. um but yeah, that was one of the strangest gigs that I've played and that I played with you. Definitely the strangest gig I played with you. Yeah, and I was going to mention that one after, like I said, I came to mind. Uh, one other one I remember is I played a wedding at the Lake Valhalla Club, and the whole room is like this giant uh, you know, ballroom, right? And then the main entrance is underneath you where you come in and out, and the bar is there. So we walk in, I said to the maitre d', like, where are we going to set up? And he's like, oh, you're going to set up in the balcony. So, dude, you go up these, like, 1927-style staircase, like a spiral staircase. The stairs are, like, 10 inches tall, and the thing is, like, two feet wide. Like, I can barely get up the stairs with the bass drum, you know, like, barely making it. You get up to the balcony, and, dude, this is <laughs> this, like, five-foot-tall, like, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair wall that separates the balcony from the dance floor and then it goes back like 30 feet. Huh. So literally Steve and Shuli and Kel are st- and Jim are jammed up in the front kind of and they're standing like at the balcony almost like peering over the wall. And I was set up like 15 feet back from that and it was like two sections of the balcony. It was like a balcony then a room behind the balcony but if you open the doors it became one big room but they were kind of separated and I was in this room by myself basically and the band was in front of me and I had a monitor but the drums were unbelievably loud like they were devastatingly crushingly loud but only in that room like out front Steve was like oh you can barely even hear the drums 
but they're coming to the PA, but it's really not leading onto the stage at all. And dude, it was like mega. It was like drum solo the whole night. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. That, that, yeah, that was a kooky gig because we were completely separated from the crowd. Like we're announcing, like and, you know, for the first time, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. And it's like everyone's like, who's 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 saying that? Wow. Yeah, that was that was kooky. All right, so. I posed this question yesterday on Covervent Central, so let's read through some of the responses from you guys out there in the community. We got over 500 responses, but we're going to cherry pick. But I'm going to start at the top with the one that got 33 likes, comment, and 14 replies. From Tyler Garretson, he said, a, biker's ga a biker gang's clubhouse, armed guards, and everything. You felt safe, but at the same time, you knew if they didn't want you leaving, you weren't going home. Bike biker gang with armed guards. Alrighty then. I used to play this biker party, dude. I used to play uh, in a band called the Love Hijackers in Bayonne, um, and uh, we would do this occasionally. This biker party, and it was just in some dude's basement. <laughs> it was just like you go to this guy's house and set up in this little corner in his basement, and he's got a keg set up, and he's got all these biker friends coming in there. It's an interesting gig. That is pretty killer. I'm just, I'm just reading through as you're talking. Okay. Um, so I'll read the second one from Jim Wilson, which I didn't even read yet. A few years back, I played drums with a four-piece at a nudist camp or colony. It was outside, so they, so all they were wearing, all they were wearing, were hats, shoes, sunscreen, sunglasses, and a smile. Clothes were optional for the musicians. We stayed clothed. Probably a good move, Jim. To stay clothed. Um, I wouldn't want to play naked. You know, there'd be just way too much yeah, going on. Um, so what do you got there? You, you find any good ones? Hang on. Okay. You gotta stay with me, Tony. <laughs> no, I'm with you, but I have, to, I have to pull away from the mic for a minute, so that's why you can't hear me. Let me see if I can move my mic as I'm going there. Hold on. Uh... Okay. Uh, Doug, Doug, Dougie Milne in a circus tent in Wil Wilhelm Shaven in Germany. We were on after the circus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's cool. Rachel Mills, a doctor's living room behind a couch with all the guests next door in the kitchen. <laughs> there you oh, go. that's cool. That's interestingly fun. A doctor's living room behind a couch. Yes. That's good. Mm. All right, we need to keep talking here. You need yeah, to... I'm rebooting my my. Uh... Oh. Nothing here has crashed on my thing here. Not good. Oh, you, your your Facebook crashed. Yeah. All right, so I'll read through a few. Um, back a minute. Uh, uh, on a pontoon, uh, Andy. Boudreaux, 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 and Andy Boudreaux, on a, poot, a pontoon tiki boat, speakers strapped to the roof, drummer and bass set up on a, on the stern, guitar set up on the bow, and the singer getting sun on the roof. The wind ended up being uh, making the river too choppy, and our captain had to spend the whole trip towing rafters back that were blown away. <laughs> <laughs> while they serenaded 
Yes. I like this one. Frank Herman. One was in a supermarket. We set up and played in front of the produce aisle, right in front of a mountain of potatoes. The other one was at a bowling alley. Pins and balls crashing all over the place and us in the corner playing your cheating heart. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, sidewalk, huh? Driving church. Uh, oh, that's pretty cool. Drive-in church, a, a stage set up outside the Dominion grocery store. Store, Instead of clapping, folks honk their horns. True story. From Am Amber Anderson Scrayback. Uh, there's so many of these comments. I'm so uh, glad that we got such a big response for this. So many. It's too many. Uh... On a flatbed trailer, Logan uh, Karbash... Wow, I'm picking these names. Karbashka Whiskey. <laughs> whiskey. On a flatbed trailer... Sorry, Logan, for screwing up your name. On a flatbed trailer in an alley behind Music Center Canada, people could hear us from around the block, and the crowds kind of just showed up. That's a pretty cool kind of gig. You were talking about that uh, a few weeks ago when you said you played a party and people would hear it down the street and come join in. I love outdoor gigs like that. Uh, Gregory Sanchez says, An Alcoholics Anonymous dance with strong coffee and cookies. The only time the band played completely sober. I drank so much coffee, my hands were shaking after the gig. Uh, all right, we need to riff on this. Are, are you back up? Here, Alice Gonzalez Medina. We played for a swingers party once. They had to set up an empty warehouse and asked us to start playing as the guests arrived. They arrived dressed in full 80s prom gear. We didn't find out it was a swingers party until after we talked to a few of the guests. Unfortunately, nothing happened because they then loaded back onto a bus and went off to their next location. <laughs> the swingers thing, that, that's funny. That, that's a, there was a swingers parade here last week. And uh, we we played a gig right after it. At the, the swingers, it's so funny because you always, even without the the hype of a parade or anything, you always kind of see groups of swingers. Not always, but it happens often here. And you can always tell. That's what I was gonna say. You can always tell that it's a group of swingers because it's always like five or six people at least, and and they dance like somebody will dance with one person, then they'll dance with another person, and they're very. Uh, open to their uh their ways they're not they're not hiding it it's pretty There's fun good, to watch dude, blaine weiser played a gig at the prison for the criminally insane guards made us stop about five or six messages into each song we started a pat travers song with a funky intro and everyone started dancing and jumping up on their chairs just having a great time the guards freaked out and shut us down our guitarist brother was in there for murdering his brother-in-law. Oh my goodness! Why? That's a weird. Why did the guards make them stop about five or six measures in these songs? Really insane institution, and they were starting to get insane. But I mean, what's things. the point of even playing then? I don't know. You thought Pat Travers was going to calm him down? Should <laughs> play Harry Manilow for him or something? You know? Let's see. Oh, uh, that's funny, man. 
here, Dan Larson, literally an insane asylum. To get in, we had to pass through a 40-foot fence with razor wire on top. Then we had to stop as the gates closed behind us. Then the next set of gates opened in front of us, and we passed through that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the guy's playing like insane asylums here. Oh, this I like this one. Nathan uh, Bratzko. Uh, at a political rally for a local government council member, and only three people, including him, showed up. So we rocked out while he chatted with them, and it was awkward as hell. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. Grocery store parking lot. That's so funny. Like, I, I mean, I've never, not only have I never played a grocery store parking lot, I've never seen a band at a grocery store parking lot ever. Um uh, let's see what he says about this. Uh, benefit for one of the employees. It started at 8.30 in the morning. 8.30 in the morning and played wow. till noon. What? Uh, and he says, the other was on a flatbed hay wagon. This is Chuck Jones, by the way. The other was on a flatbed hay wagon at a farm in the middle of nowhere facing a 300-acre cornfield. The owner said, play as loud as you want. There were literally people coming out of the corn to listen to his play. <laughs> Children of the corn walking out. Listen to the, your dad. Children of the corn. Do the Aussie cover on that. That's funny. The corn. Um, Here's Brian Hines. We played during a muscular dystrophy super dance. An organizer came on stage unplanned to say a, a few words. We had a police song next in our set, so we began vamping on the opening strains of Don't Stand So Close to Me while she talked. Problem was that they decided to bring up a little girl on stage to dance with us during the next song. I was horrified to be singing "Please Don't Close to Me" over and over again to a poor little girl in a wheelchair. Oh, that's horrible! That is a good one to end on. That's funny. Oh wow. my god, um, that's crazy. There's so many good ones in here. Uh, we can't, obviously can't go through them all. There's 500, but you can check them out. They were posted yesterday on the page. If you haven't seen them, yesterday being July 10th. Um, oh. And uh, you can read those. Um, so there was one other topic that I promoted today that we're going to need to get into. Um, unless you got one more. You got one more you wanted to read? Or are you good? A wedding was here. William Reed fifth. A wedding reception where the wedding was called off, but we didn't know why. We still had to play for the dinner they paid for. Do you know how hard it is to play slow dinner music and not mention love? Sailing, and then it was rough. <laughs> they even stopped us playing an instrumental about love. No love songs. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's rough. Like you said, many. There's many here. Here's a guy, New Year's Eve, partying in an empty swimming pool. Uh, Halloween party, middle school. Chicken right. wire at a pub in England. Uh, right. there's a ton man like you said you could spend an hour here just, just flipping through and going through yeah. there's really cool stuff good here. entertaining stuff I'm going to put a book to a book together eventually and of people's of musicians stories you know kind of like a just a compilation of stories from musicians and you know I got the material right here I could actually write the book from this post <laughs> Dude, this guy, it's a pretty here, good idea Bob James we used to play the stampede come on Parade every year on a flatbed truck with netting rigged around it to catch donations for the Lions Club. So people are literally throwing money at us. <laughs> That's great. Cool. All right. So we, we're, we're going to need to move on because we're uh, 
We've got yeah, 10 minutes left. Um, but uh, a question was posed by our friend Dan, uh, who uh, is with a band called the Clanky Lincolns. They're playing their first gig this week. So uh, uh, we talked about, uh, probably about a month ago, we talked about um, the stuff that they're doing. He, he reached out to us uh, for some advice. So we gave him a bunch of tips, and he's taking it and running with it, and they're, they're getting started. So a question uh, he posed, uh, he was offered a gig for the eclipse party on august 21st um and uh it would be free he would have to play for uh for nothing um so he's asked he wanted to ask that question um first of all do, do we think it's a good idea for him to do that and then just that general question of when is it really okay to play for free um and uh you know a lot of people um have differing opinions on this and and I think the reason that people are opposed to it is because they don't want uh, to uh, make it seem like club owners or managers or anybody like that can get away with using uh, talent and not compensating them for it uh, they don't, they don't want to uh, you know hurt the rest of the industry um, but um, I think there are appropriate times to play for free yeah um and i think the probably the bottom line is you, you kind of have to weigh your options or, or weigh weigh the pros and cons of it and and the you know the benefit that everybody is going to receive and if you have to write them down what's the pro of playing this gig for free and what would be the cons of it and see how it balances out um you know, use your intuition too if you think somebody's trying to pull one over on you then yeah you know don't, don't do it but if it's going to benefit your band then I say go for it. And uh, um, as far as Dan is concerned, you know, th that's it. That's that's the answer I would give. Weigh those factors. Um, do you think it's going to help you guys? They're a new band. Um, you know, I would lean towards doing it. What do you think? For him. Yeah. <clears throat> is he going to get more gigs out of it potentially that could pay? Uh, is he doing someone a favor? Is it a friend of his? You know, just having this party, is that what you're asking? Like, he's going to do the party, but they can't pay him? Correct. Uh, he didn't give me a whole lot of details about it. He just said that he, they were offered a gig uh, to play for free, and it's a party, and it's an uh, an eclipse party. That's the party for, for the lunar eclipse or solar eclipse. Or... I, would, I would say, depending on his relationship with the host, right, depending on what he could... You know, he, if he's already made it clear that he can't pay them, at least, you know, depending how many people are going to be at the Eclipse party, I mean, pass a hat around. You know what I mean? Right. Tell everyone to throw in 10 bucks for the band. You know, if you have 100 people there, it's 1000 bucks. You know? If you only have, like, 25 people there, it, it still may end up being 100, 200 bucks. You know, it's something. Yeah, that's a good right. point, dude. Uh, if, if you are playing a free gig and you have the opportunity to get tips, then absolutely do it. Take it. Yeah, and if and like I said, if, if they're you know, listen, it's twofold, right? So they haven't gigged yet, so it's like a a live rehearsal for them in front of people, and it's you know, and and they're gonna showcase their material and get to play a gig, right? So to that point too, like hey, you know, it benefits them in that regard, but you still have to put in the time to get there, to set up, to do the gig, to break down. You know what I mean? There's there's all those factors in it too, and we all love to play. And again, like you said, you weigh your options on what you you know what the benefits are versus the uh, the detriments or the pros and cons. 
But I mean, it, it, just to broaden what you had said earlier, if it is, you know, if it's, let's say it's a charity event, you know, raising money for a cause and they ask you to play, you know, that is a collective decision the band can make to say, hey, we're going to play this thing. We're not going to get paid, but it's, it's, it's for a worthy cause, you know? Right. If it's someone who's having a party who just can't afford to pay the band anything, then like you said, passing that, that hat around or getting some tips is, is definitely a good place to, to at least get something. I mean, you know, we've played parties too where the guys, you know, they had paid us well, but he has said, you know, I can't pay these guys nearly what they're worth, so we're going to pass a hat around. So no one realizes that the party that he's already paid us, he's made it like, you guys got to get some money together because they're doing this as a favor to me. You know, and you end up getting a couple hundred bucks extra. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't overcomplicate it, and I wouldn't, you know, people get all up in arms about it. Um you know, because they get upset if other bands are doing it, playing for free when, you know, they when their band wants to go out and get paid. And um, but um, you know, it's it's all situational, and you don't want to overcomplicate it. Just really, just simplify it. Talk to everybody in the band, see how they feel, and yeah, just write down the simple. Here are the pros. Here are the cons. Which list is better to uh, focus on, um, as far as uh, we're concerned? And that's it. Um, and I, there was a, uh, there's a bunch of, I mean, I played many free gigs. Um, and one that sticks out for me is back in 2005. Um, and I can't take credit for this because it was my girlfriend's idea at the time. Uh, but there was, a, a hurricane Katrina that happened in New Orleans. And this was before I ever moved to New Orleans, before I ever visited New Orleans. Um, and we, uh, we, she and I were sitting watching TV, watching this devastation. And she said, why don't you, at the time I was playing in like four bands, you know, I was playing a lot. Um, and she said, why don't you organize a benefit, um, to help these people? Cause we're watching this and it's just, you know, it was heartbreaking. Um, so I said, it's a great idea. And I just called everybody, every musician I knew, every band I played with at the time and said, I would like to do this. And then I, uh, called the club owner, um, at a club called the Fireside in Denville, New Jersey, which is no longer there, and called my friend Scott Ryder. May he rest in peace. He passed away a few years ago, and um, we uh, and I, I pitched him the idea, and he said, "Let's do it." And um, I I was working at Guitar Center too at the time, and I went to them with it and said, "Do you want to? You know, we'll put you on the poster. Um, you know." It, can we offer like a $50 gift certificate or something? And they did. So we had a raffle and prizes all night. Uh, he got a bunch of sponsors to give uh, like prizes and stuff. And everybody came through. I, I, you know, we had like six or seven bands. We had a comedian came in um, and I played with most of the bands. I, I was on stage most of the night. And for me, and I didn't get paid, obviously. And for me, it was just a joy just to be able to do something like that for uh, what I felt was a really worthy cause. And, you know, it's just fun to play all day with my friends, with these bands that I that I was um, with and have everybody all together in the same room and having a good time. It was a blast. I would do it for free all the time. Um, so a case like that, you know, that is definitely a good reason, I think, to play for free. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I did a benefit with, uh, I was in a band called Mr. Personality at the time, and we did a benefit for a friend of ours who had a son who had been, uh, he had been blind. And we did a big, same thing, organized like 10 bands to play. 
Uh, we headlined it, and then we had a whole bunch of people come, you know, and and donate money. And you know, I think we raised like fifteen or eighteen thousand dollars, you know, back when we were, you know, in our early twenties, you know, and not everyone had a lot of money, but people would pitch in five, ten, hundred, you know, whatever, and they got a bunch of donations going. And then I remember playing another time for uh, we. It was a club, and they were they were having financial issues, and we did a benefit to help them raise money, you know, to keep the door open. Wow. Okay, so, that's good there. Yeah. So again, you know, it was an original club at the time, and he didn't want to do the cover thing. You know, he wanted to remain an original uh, music venue, and it turned out that, you know, it just wasn't getting the draw that uh, you know the other places were that had cover bands, right? Because people were, you know, it was at a time when the covers were very, very prevalent, more so than original. You know, the tide had just turned. I'm going to say, right, nineteen. I don't know, sometime in the 90s, I don't recall exactly when, early to mid-90s maybe, and it had shifted you know, more to the cover scene. So again, he was, he was a holdout, and he was adamant to keeping an original club, and you know, we helped him keep the doors open by getting a bunch of people together to play a benefit. And we've done other ones, like we did a benefit for um, the Wingmen, which is a motorcycle club mm-hmm. up in Spring Valley, New York. They had a, a big... Uh, thing and again, it was a benefit for them to raise money for their chapter, and then they passed a hat around for the bands, and there was like five or six bands, um, and that was that was a fun gig too. Nice, interesting venue to play, you know, in the back of a clubhouse on a a stage that was built, you know, from an old tractor trailer had the roof on it. Someone took a, a torch and cut the one side of it off, and it was up against the property line. Then they decorated it. It was cool, you know. It was at, it was at the biker clubhouse. Right on. I like that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, those are great examples of good reasons, you know. And um, you know, take it on a case by case basis and use your intuition, use your gut. Um, and uh, I think what people get upset about is when um, club owners or venue operators will say, "Hey, play here, just you know, you get some exposure." Um, that's that's not going to cut it. Um, but if you're doing something that makes you feel good, makes uh, you're helping somebody else, um, or or you're just having a good time with the people that you're you're with, if you, if it's a, a benefit of a type of you know where there's a bunch of bands together, that's a great reason to go. Well, even if you don't know the bands, that's a great reason to go because you can network, you can meet people, um, you can watch other bands that are really good you can watch other bands that are really bad um you know you just it's a good experience if if you like you know the whole live music experience so um so i would say i um that the bottom line is just um you know if it feels good if it feels right do it if not then don't right absolutely and like you said on a case-by-case basis you know you have to make a decision on what you think will you know benefit you guys the most and again just like I said to hit your point home it's a different scenario of a club owner saying, hey, play here for free, you'll get exposure, you know, you play here a couple of times, then I'll start paying you, and, you know, as opposed to someone knows someone, you know, who's in the band, right, that has a need, and then you guys help to fulfill that, you know? Right. Yeah, and if somebody suggests that, um, you know, play here, see if you can draw a crowd, then I'll start paying you, it, it really depends where you're at as far as your experience with playing out live, Um and uh you know your your location but if somebody offers something like that get it in writing you know make sure you have some sort of contract 
that you, that you've agreed upon. Um, uh, because you know, the, if you don't, then he can easily just say, "Well, you're not bringing enough people. I'm not going to pay you." And I've had that happen, you know, very early in my career. But where we were supposed to get paid and we didn't, um, and you never want to run into that. That's a drag. Do real quick. We played a gig one time in the club, and we, you know, we played the whole night, and it was we played all covers, you know, and we played heavy, heavy covers like Tool, Nine Inch Nails, White Zombie. And it was not the right venue for that. But that was what we did, and they hired us for that. you know. So we played the whole night. So end of the night comes, and everyone's breaking down, and I had a big, big uh, drum kit with me. you know. We had a couple guys on the road crew. It would take us like an hour to break down the kit. So I go up to the guy to, you know, to get paid before we break down. You know, The rest of the band's breaking down, but I haven't started breaking my stuff down. They're taking mics off the kit and stuff, but I haven't started putting the actual kit away yet. So long story short, the guy says... Um, yeah, the owner instructed us, you know, we're only going to pay you, you know, we're going to short you $200 on what we agreed to because, you know, you, you guys did, played horrible music that didn't fit the club. Jeez. So I said, well, I'm sorry that, you know, you didn't do a more thorough investigation before you hired us, right? But we do have a contract and, uh, you know, we're, I'm not accepting that. So I'm just going to sit here until you get the owner on the phone, or is he here? Can we talk to him? No, he's not here, and he's not going to pay you, uh, you know, the full amount of money. He's going to hold back two hundred dollars. So I sit, pull up a chair and I sit down, and you know they're they're cleaning up like the bar people want to go home, you know, and we're done. It's 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 like twenty to two, right? We got done at one thirty. The place is closing at two. They're getting people out. So I'm just camped out, sitting there. Twenty minutes goes by. Now it's two o'clock. Now the guy's on the phone, and he says, listen, he says, uh, you know, you played horrible, heavy music that didn't fit the environment. You drove all my customers away, and I said, that's not that's not true. It was, it was packed right until the end. You know, people may, you know, it may not have been what they wanted to hear, but no one left. Like, the place was packed all night. You made your money. We had a deal. The guy says, I'll give you $50. You know, I'm going to hold back $150. i will give you 50 So I said, no, sorry, not going to accept it. Guy hangs up. I sit back down. This goes on, Steve, for two hours. Peace. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the guy would not budge. So fine. And it was the night before Easter. I remember that. It was like, I'm sorry, night before Thanksgiving, right? You know, he play the uh, the Wednesday night before it's Thursday. Biggest party night of the year. Big bar night. Place is packed, right? The Russian guy, though, who was owned the club. So finally, at the end, I say the guy. I get, the guy says, "All right." He says, um, "You know, the guy's going to talk to you one last time." So he says, he, "The guy says, you listen to me." This is the guy on the phone to me, the owner. He says, "You listen to me, and you don't say not a word back to what I'm about to say to you." And the guy starts like going off on the phone, like mf'er and. You know, you're, you know, it's all these slurs and these, you know, slandering and he's cursing and he's degrading and he's saying all these things and how bad everything is and how shitty we are as people and making him stay up till four o'clock in the morning because we wouldn't accept his offer from the first time. And the guy's going on and on and on and on. And he says, I will pay you the full amount of money. He says, but I will never have you back in the club again. He says, and what do you think about that? I said, I can talk now. And the guy says, Yeah. I said, thank you very much for paying us what we agreed on and have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's it. Take your money and go. And the guy, and the, they paid they paid me the money. We broke down ultra fast, you know, because everyone was at the point of, you know, despair at that point. Some people had left. It was only like the main bouncer, the bartender, and like one other guy. 
And we had been conversing with him the whole time. And he's like, Dad, they do this all the time. You're the only, he said, you're the only guy. I've worked here for two and a half years. He said, you're the only guy that got the money. Yeah. He said, he does this all the time to every band. Yeah. It's a good you lesson gotta, there. You got to put your guns, you know. And I said to him, too, yeah. well, the police will do whatever you want. I said, I'm not leaving. I'm not breaking down my stuff. I'm not coming back tomorrow. We're not going to talk about it later. Because the guy was like, oh, just accept the money now, and then you can come to my office tomorrow, and we'll talk about it. No. You know, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, yeah. Right now is the only leverage you have because all your shit is still set up. The guy wants to go home. His staff is there. He has to pay them, and he's got to keep the lights on. You know? Right. right. Yeah. That's my two cents. Yeah, that's a good one. Stand up for yourself. You know, be, be uh, protective of you and your band and... What you know, because you're going to run into shoddy creatures, uh, shoddy characters in in this business. Um, so it's important, like you said, stick to your guns. Um, and that was a good way of, of dealing with it, like you did. And um, yeah, just walk away. All right. And, you know, he's and, trying to threaten you with like, oh well, you can't play here. Well, you know, okay, we won't yeah, play here then. I mean, it's worth something, you know. I mean, and people forget that they try to just belittle it, like, oh, you're just in the band, you know. You'll just take more less money and you'll split it up amongst you, so you'll all make you know fifty bucks less or whatever. Yeah, yeah no. that's the point, you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not doing for exercise or to, for practice at this point, you know. Right. Yeah, you got to. Uh, like you said, we, you know, the free thing, the not paid thing, but the where the rubber meets the road is that the club made money that night, and the and the guy was just being greedy. You know, right? Because listen, I've played gigs where the guy says, "This is a new club. We don't have much of a following here. I'll pay you X." And you know, there's like 20 people in the place the whole night. You know, the guy didn't make money. You know, there's no way. How's he even paying the band? Right. So you can make a concession and say, "Listen, I see you had a, a, a slow night. You know, we only brought 20 people. <laughs> you know, no, you had zero, zero built-in crowd out in the middle of nowhere land." Um, you know, and, and then we'll make an offer and say, take some money off, you know, we'll work with you. What's fair. You know, what, what do you want to pay? Right. What won't really hurt you, you know, because we can see you're in trouble. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You want to work with people. You want to be cool. But, uh, if somebody's not being cool, then stick to your guns, stand up for yourself. Right. Um, Absolutely. Indeed. Yes. Good stuff. All right. Um, a uh, couple things. I, I am really um, seriously going to um, forego the fear of getting uh, busted by the copyright police, and I'm going to start doing a podcast uh, probably once a week with um, music. So uh, this is the unofficial of, uh, announcement before the official announcement of doing that so i'm going to be asking the audience to send me audio clips of covers and uh do a little radio show once a week and play your stuff and promote you you and your band and your music so it's just going to be audio clips but i will make a big announcement on the page about that coming up very soon and then uh i think i have a, a launch date for the website too um but when it's official i will announce that as well and that's about it Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. stuff coming. Yes. It's getting bigger and bigger all the time. Covent Central on Facebook. You'll find us there. Tony's band is the Weisenheimers at theweisenheimers.com. Always a good time, brother. We will see you next week.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.